0: The Free for All Roundtable.
1: Round two. Joining me on Round Two, Sabrina Nanji with Queen's Park Observer, Newstalk 1010 Crime Specialist Mark Mendelson, and Lindsay Broadhead, Strategic Communications and Public Affairs Advisor. Sabrina, let's start with you. You're at Queen's Park. And uh, what's the feeling around there, do you believe, today regarding the meeting yesterday on healthcare?
2: Yeah, it was a bit of like a womp womp moment. Uh, you know, just ahead of the meeting, Yesterday, we had this really optimistic tone from Premier Doug Ford. He was basically signaling, you know, we're going to get a deal any day now. We're, we're right close to the finish line. And lo and behold, you know, over two hours, Trudeau laid out the details of the plan. And we kind of got a bit of a, a shift from all the premiers, you know, uh, Ford called it a, a down payment, you know, a starting point, even even Heather Stephenson, who's in charge of the all premiers club, the, the Council of the Federation, Manitoba premier, she said, said, you know, this is maybe a step in the right direction, a, a good start. But, you know, th- they, they wanted more. The the big sticking point for the premiers has been to increase the share of the the uh, Ottawa share of, of our provincial healthcare care funding um, from 22 percent to 35 percent. And they didn't get that. And so right now, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't hold my breath for any finalized agreements, but all all parties here, you know, the provinces and the feds, it's budget season, too. So they kind of Want to get this, these bilateral agreements, this general agreement signed uh, before that comes through, and so right now the ball is in the provinces' courts. They're going to have to come up with these action plans to lay out, you know, how exactly they're going to spend the funding. How will it improve our, our, you know, healthcare systems, which you know need the money really, really fast? Um, and 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 so it, it might be a a bit of a longer stretch than we were expecting, but you know, maybe the beginning of the end of of this saga.
1: We learned from Toronto. Toronto City Hall getting about a seven percent increase in property tax that'll affect everybody. And now Toronto City Council votes to explore new revenue options, including a parking levy. So, uh, Lindsay Broadhead, did you grab your wallet and hide it?
3: <laughs> yeah, that's right. I have shoe boxes under my bed now uh, that I'm, I'm filling. Um, this is it's so difficult because we're we're just hearing the same story over and over again. Um, from each level of government that were, you know, waiting to receive funds from another. Um, in this case, though, however, um, I'm kind of unabashedly uh, pro-Toronto, which I know doesn't sit well in uh, many areas of the country. Um, but the reason is this: is a strong Toronto. Uh, equates to a strong national economy. Um and I think we need more help. Um and and kind of frankly promised help uh from from the province and feds. Now while that's quite se- separate from uh parking taxes, it's connected insofar as parking taxes feels Incredibly desperate to me. It feels like the low hanging fruit. Municipalities should open up, do the studies to find out where um, they can access uh, different resource options for sure. Um, but this is not the platform that um, uh, Mayor Tory wanted to move forward on, I'm sure. Um, you know, it, it, we shouldn't be a city of desperation or one that's portraying desperation like this. Well, Mark
1: Mendelssohn, it falls to you to defend the city. Well, it's kind of hard. I I agree with
0: Lindsay. This is kind of low hanging fruit. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, Tory sounds, uh, you know, as if, you know, we're waiting for the money, whether it's coming from the feds or whether it's coming from the province and everybody's saying, well, the check is in the mail, the check is in the mail. Well, the mail's not arriving. And, you know, to go after, uh, you know, taxing uh, parking, I'd rather have that, quite frankly, than, than than turning the Don Valley parking lot into a toll road or the government or the- Ardner Expressway as well which which is something else they've talked about I, I you know this is easy pickings I think for the for the city but at the end of the day we as a city are worried about our, our crime our TTC, um, the police budget, the TTC budget um, housing infrastructure mental health uh, you know workers out on the street all of this costs money. And the money has to come from somewhere. And so far, it's not coming as expected from the from the province or the feds. So at the end of the day, who, who's the easy target? It's going to be us. And if we're going to do that, well, I'd rather start with the parking than anything
1: else. I'd rather start with uh, cuts at City Hall. But uh, the people at City Hall have their eyes glaze over whenever I bring that up. So um, the... Um, Loblaws is fighting back on social media. I've been talking to a few people about this through the course of the morning, and maybe I'll I'll start with you, Sabrina. Would it be better for Loblaws to keep quiet? Because right now, the grocery stores are not winning in the area of public opinion when people go in and and the, the total comes at them when they've bought a basket of groceries and they go, excuse me, I wasn't trying to buy the store.
2: Look, as entertaining as it has been to watch Loblaws self-own themselves on social media, uh, I think this is a terrible PR move. I, I don't know why Loblaws needs to go out of its way to respond to individual people who are angry on Twitter. You know, these people are already angry about their grocery bill. They don't really need to be talked down to with this complicated explanation of you know why grocery prices are where where they are. Um, and, and I think they they need to read the room a little bit here. Uh, Uh, It would be a lot better for them, I think, if they stayed quiet, um, because as we know, uh, the state of social media, if you're angry on there, this can just fan the flames. uh, And and I I think this was a bad move.
1: Okay, you you make happy trips to the grocery store, Mark?
0: I make lots of trips. To the grocery store. And, I, you know, full disclosure, Loblaws, no frills. That's my uh, that's my bailiwick. But, you know, Sabrina's right. I mean, when Loblaws came out and said, we're going to we're going to freeze prices for a couple of months, I think starting in October, November, and it, which is just now ended, they've been doing that for years. So they're, they're sort of dangling this carrot in front of us like they're doing us a favor. Yet we also read in the paper about the profits that Galen Weston and company are making. At the end of the day, you cannot tell somebody who walks into a Loblaws with $75 in their pocket, and they walk out with a bag and a half worth of stuff and the money's gone, that things are okay. And you can't blame it all on trucking and the price of gas and supply chains. At the end of the day, with Loblaws making the profits that they're making, people are are pinching pennies everywhere they can. And you know to, to go on social media and to argue with these people as a if you're in the crisis uh, communications business you're shaking your head this is a case case study on what not to do
1: yeah well when I look at this Lindsay and I see yes it's it's a complicated thing there's all kinds of supply chain and there's prices going up and there's inflation and suppliers are trying to pass that along to the grocery store as they have to do and yada yada and all of that stuff but in the end what we're doing is we're spending more money and it turns out they're making more money on the money it's not just that they're getting along on the two percent or so that has been a profit margin for grocery stores. they're getting now a 4% profit margin on a higher total. So uh, you know Crimea River Galen Weston.
3: Yeah. And in fact, I wouldn't go quiet now if I was Loblaws at all. I'd, I'd go louder. Um, the worst message amongst their sea of really bad uh, messaging, uh, I, in my day job, I'm an issues uh, comms person, The is when they said that we've only maintained margins, um, meaning prices have gone up X percent and our margins have remained the same. That is a horrid message because, of course, it's margins for whom. Um, and the, the thing is, is Loblaw is a, an impressive Canadian company. Um, sadly, its logo, and it's sad right now, but is Live Life Well, right? They're leading and living and manifesting none of that to their public. They have good stories to tell. There was a fantastic pharmacy story that came out yesterday in terms of how what pharmacists are doing for the healthcare system. They're fabulous employers. Like, there's all these great stories. And yet, they're having these, you know, bun fight arguments on Twitter. Uh, it's time they bring out the big guns and they act like a huge, great Canadian company that they could be.
1: Okay, so Canadians, this is a new report out here from CTV News. Canadians now expect to need $1.7 million in order to retire. Still going to work today, I see, Sabrina. (laughs)
2: yeah that's right i think i'll be working for the next like 600 years maybe but i I think what stood out to me is that this is more of a perception survey like this is how canadians are feeling how much they'll need and you know we just finished talking about what it's what our bills look like at the grocery store and so i think this is more of a reflection of how inflation and cost of living being at an all-time high right now is is impacting our, our wallets and definitely how people are feeling the pinch and clearly that was reflected in this survey
1: okay so Lindsay, when you look at those shoe boxes you're collecting under your bed i would assume yeah. one of them is for retirement there's still some room in the box
3: <laughs> well yeah like this dash is all my golden girls dreams right like they're they're gone you're not gonna have um, a in miami i know i know it's heartbreaking um i never and this isn't i don't know maybe this is weird i just don't really i can't fathom re- it, it's something that's so what be- I can comprehend. Um, but it does, it's really nail biting because I don't know who's gonna hire me when I'm 80, you know, like God willing, that I'm I'm healthy. So it it, it does make you think there's only so many dollars to tuck away. Um so I think a lot of us you know, bust butt during the day, um, having fun where we can and crossing our fingers. I can answer your question. Not really a great financial plan. (laughs) Yeah, I can
1: answer your question. The person who's going to hire you when you're 80 is the person who's 90 and still working uh, and (laughs) and needing some help. But you're in the middle of this, Mark Mendelson, because on the one hand, you're a retired police officer. But on the other hand, you're still working. Yeah,
0: I'm also the 90-year-old guy that's going to be hiring Lindsay. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, I retired. And, uh, you know, of course, I retired on a Friday and opened up my own company on the Monday. So my retirement was the weekend. Having said that, I also have five kids. Two of them are still in university. So I'm not retiring anytime soon. But when you look at that number uh, of 1.7 million to the average person that's in this city or in this province, that's a daunting figure. And if you do not own a home and you do not have equity... In that home, and if you don't have a pension plan, if you're self-employed, that is almost an unattainable figure at the end of the day. So all it can do is depress people. And I I understand how they're putting it out in the context, but the average person is going to look at that and they're going to go, I need 1.7 to retire. I have $4.87 a month. I'm finished.
1: Okay. Uh, But I'm going to push back a little on you here, uh, Mark. You'll think this is a shot, but that's okay. You're a big boy. Uh, And that (laughs) is that you worked in the public sector and the people who can retire, the people who will retire work in the public sector. And so one thing I think that's going to have to happen due to our uh, increased longevity from when they came up with retirement rules is people are going to have to work longer before they think that the taxpayers should support their retirement.
0: I agree. I mean, look at pension plans are great. And, you know, with the Toronto police, we contributed and the police service contributed not all pension plans are are designed that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, the idea of retiring at, at, you know, at 50 years of age now is almost, it, it, it's a pipe dream for most people, I think. And, you know, we're living longer. We're, you know, we're hopefully staying healthier and, you know, it is nice to go to work. If you don't go to work, what do you do all day? You can only watch, Young and the Restless for so many days in a row before you've had it. And, you know, if you're used to going out and interacting with people and and whatever service industry you may be in or whatever profession you're in, going to work is a healthy thing. And I think that we're all going to work longer. The problem is, are we doing it because we want to or because we have to?
1: Sabrina Nanji, Mark Mendelson, and Lindsay Broadhead, thanks very much. Good to have you. Catch the Roundtable, round one at 7.45, round two at 8.45. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.